Welcome to Medical Matters Weekly with Dr. Trey Dobson, presented by Southwestern Vermont Healthcare and Catamount Access Television. Welcome, everyone. Today is March 31st, 2022. Tomorrow is April Fool's Day, and we are recording this for our April 6th broadcast. I'm Trey Dobson, Chief Medical Officer at Southwestern Vermont Medical Center and an emergency medicine physician with Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health. And this is Medical Matters Weekly, a show about the aspects of healthcare that matter to you most. My guest today is Representative Leslie Goldman, likes to go by Leslie, I understand, is that right? Yep. Um, she is a retired nurse practitioner, so I'm excited to have her uh, on the show, a current state representative for Wyndham 3 District and a member of the House Committee on Healthcare. So Leslie, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to meet you. Where, same here. Where are you right now? You have a nice painting behind you. Yeah, I was looking at that. I was, yeah, um, I'm actually in the state house. I'm on the third floor. Um, because of COVID, this is a small room and it was too small to be a committee room anymore. So now it's a lounge, a legislative lounge that we grab when we need a room. My committee room, healthcare, is down the hall and that has a limit of 16 people. This room has a limit of five. Oh, right. So that's so it's just you right now. That's great. Um, yep. She was elected to the Vermont House Representative on November 3rd, 2020. So as the pandemic was well underway, uh, completed a master's of public health at the Dartmouth uh, Medical School with a focus on systems thinking and quality improvement. I'm excited to hear about that. Uh, she served as a primary care provider for 37 years. That is remarkable, Leslie. Well, let's just start with some of, some of the things. Tell us a little bit about where you're from and, and how you came to Vermont. So I grew up in Manhattan, believe it or not. Um, I love Manhattan. It's still my sense of place lands there. But for whatever reason, I landed in rural Vermont because I love the North Woods. So combining both those things. Um, I did nursing school in New York City. And then my husband and I did, you know, look for places to train. He is a family medicine physician, although he retired, but I, I shouldn't say, he doesn't like to, that I say retired. He switched careers and became an artist. Um, and I'll just say what's interesting about that is because he was a physician and actually quite an excellent one um, and actually a good artist as well. It's very interesting to see how that um, combines his right and left brain in how he thinks about his project. So that is um, an interesting piece. When we finished residency, he did residency in family medicine and I did my nurse practitioner master's work in Virginia and we were looking for jobs. He wanted to go to Maine. I wanted to go to Western Mass. We saw an ad in New England Journal of Medicine for Bells Falls, Vermont, and we thought that was a good fit. So we ended up in Vermont. And that's been a good decision. Obviously, we're still here. <laughs> right. It's a great decision. And, you know, it's so interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that we may talk about, or I'll just go ahead and start in on is, is recruiting of providers into the state and nurses and other healthcare workers, clinical and non-clinical, can be very difficult. And I think in the past, sometimes we've sort of We've tried to kind of, we've erred towards, uh, well, we're really not that far from New York City, or we're really not that far from Boston, rather than, uh, you know, calling a spade a spade. We are very far from those places. We are proud of it, and we love what we have to offer here in Vermont to sort of attract folks. Like you said, you've been here. Um, I'm not from the state at all. In fact, the first time I came to Vermont was to interview for a job 
uh, fell in love and uh, have been here for 15 years and will continue to be, be here. Those the people exist. We just have to focus our efforts on getting them here. Oh, yeah. It's a spectacular place to be, um, to practice and to, I don't know, as I say, a sense of place. Art um, is very embedded. Great place to raise children. I raised two sons here. Unfortunately, they both live in California. So trying to think of a way to how to, to, how to get them back here. But um, they were looking for a bigger place. I think the New York City piece uh, sort of affected them because my father lived there for so long. They went, we went to New York all the time and they got embedded in cities. It's very interesting how someone chooses a place. Sure, they did the opposite of Robert Frost, right? That they were born Absolutely. here in California and he went born in California and came here. Well, yeah. you know, tell, tell us a little bit about your career in, in, in healthcare in Vermont and some of the important things you learned. And that's a very nebulous open question, I, I realize. Well, my husband, as I say, and I started a, a practice and this was in 1982. Um, it was from scratch um, because Rockingham Memorial Hospital at the time was um, wanting to expand their staff. So the first day we each had one patient and I'll just remember that day, we were so excited that one person for each of us wanted to come see us. It was very cool. Um, our practice lasted until for my husband, 2006 and for me, 2008 in Vermont. So that was quite a long time. Um, we started employed by a hospital. We then decided to try private practice. That was a disaster for us. We weren't business people. The business of medicine is convoluted, complex, and not accessible. And Rocky and Memorial Hospital, who initially um, hired us, went uh, closed. And that was a big deal in the community to have a hospital closure. And that's relevant now as we think about hospital sustainability. Um, so we were, Springfield Hospital swooped in, luckily, turned the um, campus into a medical campus. So we practiced primary care in the old OB um, cesarean section place. It all got redone, which was very cool. Um, there is also a psychiatric facility on that site. So we worked there for 15 years, um, employed by Springfield Hospital. Now we know Springfield Hospital, once the tiny little hospital, it has uh, struggled with bankruptcy and the financial business of medicine again. So. We really need to think about as a state hospital sustainability. And that's one of the things that I spend a lot of time thinking about right now as a legislator. And we greatly appreciate your efforts. And when I say we, I mean, we as a community, um, I'm a community member too. I happen to work at a hospital, uh, but I'm a community member too. And, and of course the, the situation is so complex and, and sometimes the media does a great job of covering it, but other times, they make it seem black and white. Either there's not near enough money and hospitals are never going to make it or hospitals are too rich and, uh, and greedy. And, you know, none of those things are true. And hopefully the public can see through that. Yeah, but, but the complexity, it's very opaque on every level. Um, so I, I, I don't even know that one could sit. I, I'm babbling, but the sitting in the healthcare committee, I think one of the most amazingly shocking things is how complex the system is. Um, so I'm finishing my second year. To understand our health insurance system, our payment for healthcare, it's it's too it's beyond complexity. It it's very it's it's hard to get my head around a lot. 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I was just this morning discussing uh, in many aspects of medicine, and by this, I actually meant diagnostics and treatments, but you could apply it towards the financial. Um, simplicity is what's going to lead to reliability, but complexity, you know, is the opposite of that. You, you cannot, um, you don't know what's going to come out on the other end because you can't follow all the steps. It's too complex for for an individual or, or, or an organization to follow. Um, and that's, that's true. And boy, you are right in the thick of it in, in, that, uh, in the healthcare committee there. Yeah, we had an interesting presentation this morning about um, wait times. It was, there was a big study about wait times. And a bunch of people who do this work very well uh, from Department of Financial Regulation and the Director of Healthcare Reform and um, Green Mountain Care Board, they did a study and they really looked at it and they came up with some interesting reasons of why the health, the, you know, the pinch points, why are the wait times so long in Vermont? And we really are out of line with our neighboring states. So just to see how that work has to get done. I'm looking forward to hearing more about how they're gonna, the recommendations were a little 36,000 feet um, and not enough hands-on from a system point. It was all about a system point of view, which of course you mentioned I'm interested in, and I'm interested to hear how they wanna address that system. Um, and that's what comes next. They didn't really give any, offer anything about that. So that was interesting just to see. It's, it's so complex for everybody. Right. You know, I've read through the report, uh, you know, actually, I believe it was 140 pages or something, 137 pages. Uh, and, and I've read through it. Now, many of the pages are, are graphs, so they were quick, quick to go through. You know, I thought in, in many ways, uh, I embrace the uh, motivation behind the report and um, and the transparency. The wait times are too long for specialty care. Now, the wait times are too long for primary care, too, but the focus of the report was on on specialty care, you know, some of the problems which are easy to point out um, have to do with the, you know, actual data that comes out, the, the accuracy of the actual numbers is, you know, a little bit called into question, but that doesn't really matter. What really matters is the ratios and the fact that it is too long. So let's embrace it. And how can we work together as a state? We have a unique opportunity here that is just not present in most states where the landscape is less competitive and more collaborative. And, uh, and I mean that between health systems as well as uh, between health systems and, and legislation, legislators, between health systems and regulatory um, agencies. So uh, I'm excited about the opportunities to, to get together and think of some novel ways we can address it. And it's not just hiring in more dermatologists and, and other specialties, although that would help uh, in some areas for sure. It's uh, looking at ways to reduce that complexity that you initially talked about and, uh, and allow better, better flow through. Well, let me ask you this. When you came to Vermont, um, were there many nurse practitioners uh, here? No, no, hardly at all. In fact, when we first came, um, they were much more interested in physicians. And I was sort of an add-on, which they really didn't know what to do with me. So um, it took a while for the community um, to understand the role. Um, I think it's a wonderful role. It was a good fit for me. I think, you know, the issue of pace is something that's very interesting. You mentioned being an emergency room physician, you like moving fast. Right. Um, that can be, you know, one side of it. The other side of pace is like working in psychiatry where you sit down with someone for an hour. For me, working in primary care, 
I see someone new, like maybe every 30 minutes. Um, and every time it's someone interesting, I get to know their story. Um, I want to learn the story behind the story and then try to figure out what we can do to help them move through the, what issues are facing them. So for me, primary care was a good fit. I think that over the years, there's been so much um, increase in the number of people that are in the field that it's been really, a, it's good. It's a, it's a really important niche to really fill in where needed. Absolutely. And, and also what you, I'm sure, witnessed was talking about complexity, the complexity of, of seeing a patient and getting done what needs to be done for them just multiplied from the start of your career uh, to the end um, with all good intentions of implementing electronic uh, records and other things that really are designed to improve quality. Unfortunately, sometimes lead to this complexity that's hard to reproduce. We could do a whole show on that, I think, you and I. Oh, man, I was involved with, in, in Keene. I was a, a team leader uh, of one of the primary care teams. There were a bunch. So we had about nine or 10,000 patients that were part of our team. And um, there were 25 people on the whole team, including docs and everybody. But the point, we, we did the conversion to Epic. Oh, my God, it was torture. Um, it was so hard. Yet, when we got done, well, we went from a functional system, which was all scripts that had been in place for many years, but in order to communicate with Dartmouth and all the other, that the conversion to Epic had to be done and it was the right thing. And it really allowed this communication that we didn't have before. If I want to talk to someone in a specialty, I could just send them an email um, and send them the chart and then they would, I would get this response and have a dialogue really pretty much right away. So the electronic medical record with all its torture, I think really improves care. But until we have a platform that everyone uses and in this state is not like that at all, it's hugely problematic. So it, it's another set of complexity. I had a professor at Dartmouth whom I highly regarded and he, he used to say, um, every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. And that's a real truth. Absolutely. We'll be going through down here in Southern Vermont, that epic conversion at some point in the next few years. And uh, we're looking forward to it for the same reasons you talked about. We have so many uh, disparate systems here that uh, on their own are fine, but in, you know, in they don't collaborate. They don't work well together. So we're looking. And that's not good for patients. That's not no. good. For patients, you know, and it's, it's duplicative care. Um, there's medication errors. I mean, there's so much opportunity to give better care. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what inspired you for the shift then from uh, being a nurse practitioner to going into essentially into politics? Well, I've been um, actually involved in politics since 1992. When my son was five, um, the high school in our area, I had concerns about. So instead of complaining, I decided to get involved. So I, I ran for the school board. So that's where it started. Um, I was on the school board for 12 years and then did a little switch to the select board, which was fascinating to learn about how these systems work in a small town. I did my stint as a nurse practitioner. And as I approached 65, it was like time. I was tired of making so many decisions every day regarding people's health, but I wasn't done living so or contributing. So when I thought about, you know, sort of what was next, this really ca captured my imagination in moving from the one-on-one -on -one interaction of 
of me in a room with a patient to thinking more about policy, which would have a broader reach. And that's, it would seem like a logical next step. Well, that's great. I tell you, I mean, I think a lot of people think about that, but don't actually make the move that you did. And really, um, you know, well into your medical career. So it wasn't like you had one year of experience, you had 37 years of experience. Uh, so I know you bring a wealth of knowledge to not only the committee, but the legislature as a whole. Uh, and, and again, thank you for that. Uh, but I'd like to comment on that, which is interesting. I have a deep knowledge of the front of the, what I'm calling the front of the house, taking care of patients being in the exam room, the systems in a hospital or primary care. I have no information about what I'm calling the back of the house, how it's financed, um, the complexity that goes on behind the scenes. So that's where my learning curve has been incredibly steep to really try and understand how the system works behind the front of the house. And it's been hard, very hard. Like you said, it's a whole other aspect, it's a whole other focus, professional focus and career. Yeah. What, what do you see, um, this is sort of a, I would say, not a, a loaded question, but what do you see are some of the major health issues uh, that you may have been made aware of either prior to or joining the legislature, especially in Vermont, I guess? What do you mean health issues? Yeah, like what are you focused on right now in the committee? The committee has, you know, it's amazing how we spend a lot of time, unfortunately, tinkering around, what I consider tinkering around the edges. Because if we think about healthcare finance, there's nine different ways that a person can get health insurance, healthcare insurance in Vermont. That's great. That I'm sorry, that's not sustainable. Um, right. So right. until we can, you know, address that, but we can't address it as a, a state of six hundred thousand. It it's really has to be at the federal level. We know that in 2011, when they tried to do single payer health. That was the right thing to do philosophically, but the state didn't have the appetite for that kind of massive change, even though it would be so much more effective in helping people. So what are we working on now? Um, there's a bill that I think is really important for, um, regarding pharmacy benefit managers, if you've ever come across them. Um, it's almost a subterranean, once the dark black hole of how our for-profit uh, pharmacy manager moves through our system controlling all our medicines with formularies and all this stuff. There's really no regulations about them right now. And uh, the Department of Financial Regulation, who is in charge of that, wants to have um, some regulation over them. It's what's causing independent pharmacies to close because they can't manage this financial um, work with these people and keeping the chains you know, alive. So I think it's a huge problem, but I'm very excited that we have that the bill. It did pass out of the House, and now it's sitting in the Senate. So we're doing that. Um, we do a lot of work with the mental health issue. This morning, we were working on a bill certifying um, what's called peer supports, so that in the mental health world, if some we hear a lot about wait times in emergency rooms. I'm sure you have experienced that of people with mental illness that need to go places, there are no beds. Um, and then there's the idea of a peer support specialist and creating a certification to help support these families as we try and solve this. So that we spent some time on that this morning. Um, those kinds of things. 
Yeah, it's 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 terrific. I tell you, it's also it's not only fascinating; it's actually it's um, scary how some of these complexities, as you and I began this conversation with, creep their way into healthcare. Like, what was even the purpose of having the, the pharmacies set up that way? And it just they evolve over time. There's you know the intent is not malice, uh, but the next thing you know, it is hard to uh, unwrap. Are you going to object to the malice comment? No, I'm going to say malice is not the word I would use, but it is for profit. Right. And that is important. I mean, I, I, when I'm frustrated, I might use the word greed. Um, so that's a frustrating, I think that's a frustrating arena. I'm probably going to get in big trouble for that one, but it's what, it's what it is. Well, I tell you, um, you're not going to get in trouble. I will say as a physician, one of the reasons I enjoy practicing here and I stay practicing in Vermont is the uh, lack of competition pressure, the lack of pressure to order extraneous uh, studies that I know are not going to be helpful to a patient, uh, to be in a place where the average cost per Medicare beneficiary is low, you know, around 8,500 the last time I looked, I'm not sure what it is today, but, but you know, not the 14,000 or 15,000 you find in other states. And again, the intent of, you know, when the physicians and nurse practitioners and other providers practice in those states is, is not uh, necessarily direct um, greed or desire to uh, to take money. It's just the standards that develop. And we have some controls and checks plus a culture you know, I'm being a little idealistic, but that's how I feel about practicing in this state. Yeah, so, I, I really like that. I think we also have to be realistic. We know that Medicare and Medicaid do not fund, uh, do not pay at the level that is needed right. to sustain our practices. I don't know how Medicare, of course, is out of our control. And a lot of Medicaid is actually out of control, even though it's financed here but using state funds. The complexity, once again, the complexity is overwhelming. Absolutely. So, um, you know, before we kind of wrap up here, tell us a little bit about what you do outside of the legislature. What, what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Um, I, you know, I live in Vermont. So being in the woods is fun. Gardening is fun. Being in the woods with my dog especially is fun. Especially, um, I agree. Yeah, totally. You have to have a dog, uh, which is probably why I don't live in a city because I don't want to live in a city with a dog. So I live here with my dog. Um I, I like doing what so many people like doing. I like being with my friends. I like cooking with my friends I, and my husband. I um, enjoy reading when I can. Um, I enjoy, you said outside. Okay, I won't go there. Um, you know, I think, you know, what, what being in the world is being, is what's fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Existential. So, and personally and professionally, what are you looking forward to over the next few years? Well, I'm I'm going to be I'm 68. I'm going to be 69. So the decision is, do I run again? Um, I can't imagine not because I've done one year or one term, excuse me, and I can't. You know, I've learned so much. So to you know, not use that learning again. But of course, it's a slog to go through a campaign can't the campaigns are it's the fun part is you know being in contact with people and having dialogue and communicating and that part is great and that's what i like about it but there's also all this other thing that goes along with it the communication and sending postcards and all that kind of work so the campaign is coming up that's a big deal um i'm looking forward to being in california with my new granddaughter uh so that's also what's coming up for me right away 
Oh, that's great. Well, Leslie, thank you so much again for spending time here. I look forward to staying in touch with you and, and good luck uh, over the rest of the session. Yeah, thank you, Trey. This has been a great conversation. I'll also go ahead and thank um, Mike Cutler from CAT TV, Ray Smith from Southwestern Vermont Healthcare, Ashley Jowett from Southwestern Vermont Healthcare. I'm Trey Dobson. Go out and find joy in everything you do, even in the face of adversity, and we will see you next week.